Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's have a morning, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a damn morning. I will guarantee you that nobody, and I mean nobody, has watched more, more uh, college basketball than me. I guarantee you, man, I'm watching Hofstra. I'm watching everybody. But first, I got to get into this. It is a monster NFL day. It is franchise tag day. So one of three things is going to happen, and we're going to get into this with Armando Salguera coming up in 15 minutes. One of three things is going to happen to Lamar Jackson. One, well, maybe there's four things. One, he gets traded. Don't see that happening. One, he's going to sign a franchise tag. Two, he's going to sign a regular contract. Or three, he's going to sit out. And I'm anxious to see what happens. I'm also anxious to see Trey Wingo has a report out there that Aaron Rodgers has met with the Jets, which would mean, according to Armando, that he would have to, ladies and gentlemen, he would have to have gotten permission from the Green Bay Packers. And as Armando said, yeah, teams aren't normally giving uh, permission to Hall of Fame MVP quarterbacks to negotiate their own deal. But first, here's a little video of Jill Biden. You got to see this. Jill Biden, the president's wife, first lady, I guess, is not happy. She's not happy and doesn't think cognitive tests should be done on her husband. We have proof otherwise, but here's Jill Biden. Calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about that? Ridiculous. Really? That's, that's what we got? Well, we have video proof, and we, ladies and gentlemen, think that maybe he should. Let's roll a little bit of uh, the big fella here. Let's, let's hear from the big fella who does not need a cognitive test. And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. Senator Scott's bottom line is, he said, we're reducing the deficit at the same time we're giving, we're, and we're getting seniors a fair price. Somehow that's costing the government. He's a little confused. I beg to differ. And that is one of, oh, I don't know, a hundred different gaps. I didn't even paint a picture of him falling up the stairs, which by the way, my entire life, uh, our downstairs to our upstairs, I would run up and fall and they were hard stairs. They hurt. Falling upstairs is no fun. It's not like falling downstairs, but if you've ever fallen upstairs, you know what I'm talking about. Daggone, it hurts. It does. It hurts. So we don't even get into Joe Biden and all of his foibles. We just picked out a few so that you can see that maybe, just maybe, the First Lady Jill Biden should not want cognitive tests for Joe Biden. They should not want him tested because obviously there is no cognitive test 
that he could pass other than the one that Jill Biden, a self-proclaimed doctor, would give him. That's it. That's all. Ad infinad. That's the only one he could pass. Uh, and look at this little lady here. She's so excited to be interviewing the first lady. Oh, my God. And Jill's mad in this clip. Now, we can't play the whole clip because, well, you know, we don't want to get flagged by YouTube because anytime you are a conservative leaning, at least that's what they call us, I consider OutKick to be a common sense site. You consider it whatever you'd like. But the common sense site of OutKick tells me that if you've watched anything on Joe Biden, not only does he need a cognitive test, it is really, really mean of his wife, this lady here, to throw him, I guess, I've never used this expression before, but I'm going to under the bus and bring him out there for all of us to laugh at. No, seriously, it is one of those deals where you go, dang. I don't blame you, lady. I wouldn't give Jolton Joe DiMaggio here a cognitive test either because then everybody would have proof. We all know the dude is nuts, right? We all know the dude's lost his marbles. He, he meds up for a speech now and then, and that's great. Good for him. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, if I'm his wife, I'm not putting him out there. If I'm his handlers, I'm not putting him out there. And I for daggone sure am not putting any anything in front of him that's any kind of a test. I mentioned today is a big day in the NFL. Four o'clock today, franchise tags, all of the various things. And all eyes really are on Aaron Rodgers. All eyes really are on uh, Lamar Jackson. Now, here's three guys that made themselves a little money today. Let's go. Let's see. Pollard, good for you. Does that mean Zeke Elliott's gone? Here's the deal with Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard signed himself a big franchise tag, okay? And what that means to me, uh, what that means to me is that Zeke Elliott is going to be gone. I would get rid of Zeke Elliott. I think Zeke Elliott is fat. I think Zeke Elliott had a little bit of success, and Zeke Elliott went from being, according to Urban Meyer, one of, if not the best, competitors that he's ever had to a fat guy that doesn't run very well and is expendable. Now, I'm just telling you, here's the deal with Zeke Elliott. He is slated to make $10.9 million. Woo! I ain't paying that guy $10.9 million. I'm sorry, but it ain't happening. I don't want to do it. I cannot do it. I won't do it. I don't think it. Josh Jacobs. In my opinion, he's a little bit different. Josh Jacobs, to me, also got the franchise tag. Josh Jacobs, to me, is one of the best running backs in the league, and not a lot of people know it. Not a lot of people know it because nobody's really paid attention to Josh Jacobs and the Fighting Raiders because, well, frankly, they haven't been very good. But Josh Jacobs, when I talk to NFL people, he might be one of the top two or three respected running backs in the league. Darren Payne didn't make the Pro Bowl. 11 and a half sacks for Darren Payne, the, uh, the defensive tackle, really good defensive tackle for the Washington Commanders. Everybody talks about Chase Young, but this kid here, Darren Payne, uh, 20 quarterback hits, listen to this, 49 pressures, 11 and a half sacks. Dude's going to make 19 mil. 
Now, there aren't five people that ever heard of Darren Payne outside of D.C. And don't at me about it either, people. Do not at me. Don't at me. 1,600 yards for Josh Jacobs. It's kind of amazing. He's only going to make only $10.091 million this year on the tag. Uh, if you want to know if running backs are, oh, I don't know, maybe diminished a tad, Josh Jacobs making $10 million a year when a defensive tackle is making, what, 20 That tells you all you need to know. Tony Pollard, 25 years old, uh, what's he going to make, you ask? Ah, he's going to make $10.09 million a year as well. Evan Ingram, Jacksonville tight end, pretty good. I know this. When Evan Ingram plays against the Colts, he whoops up on the Colts. He had a career year, 73 catches, 766 yards, franchise record for a tight end. He's going to make $11.345 million. Now, I would argue that tight ends are way more important than running backs, but hey, I guess they're only a million dollars more valuable than running backs. It's fascinating to me. What is Lamar Jackson going to do. All right. Lamar Jackson is 45 and 16. If you believe quarterback stats, uh, wins and losses are a quarterback stat. They average 28 points a game when Lamar Jackson is in the game. They only average 20 when he's not in the game. So I want you to think about this. He's just one of six players in NFL history, hundred plus touch, uh, passing touchdowns, 4,000 rushing yards. We make up all these numbers. I'm reading it right here. All right. They're clearly better with Lamar Jackson. But as I said, Ozzie Newsom says he is going to be tagged. If they can't agree, he's going to be tagged. The non-exclusive tag, which allows him to negotiate with other teams. And we'll talk whether there is a market out there with Armando coming up here in about five minutes. Is If there is a market for Lamar Jackson, he can go seek it. Would you give that kind of coinage to Lamar Jackson? I would. I would give more coin to him than I would to Sean Watson, even before the rub and tug. I would give Lamar Jackson more coinage than I would Kyler Murray, even before it came out that Kyler Murray is a pain in the backside. I love Lamar Jackson. I'm tired of Lamar Jackson, just like I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. At some point, you just get tired of these guys. You're just like, man, all right, great. I know ESPN has to wear you out. I know every show in the morning, which I no longer watch, has to talk about that and Mike McCarthy. I get it, but I don't know about you, but they're starting to give me gas, and I don't need more gas. I am gassy enough. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, guess what? Derek Carr just signed with the Saints, and his coach, Dennis Allen, actually coached him to a terrible record in, in, I guess it was Oakland when he was there. So Derek Carr goes ahead and gets him some cabbage. Derek Carr now becomes uh, the quarterback, whether uh, Elvin Kamara is around, who knows, whether or not Chris Olave becomes an all-world wide receiver, which I think he is. I hate to say it, but I really, really do think he is. I think, I think Chris Olave is unfreaking believable Now, I just tell you, that's just the way I look at it. I think he's unbelievable. I think he's great. And now you got a quarterback? I don't know, but I will say this to you Indianapolis fans. I want Jameis Winston. 
I want Jameis Winston. I want Jameis Winston now. Congratulations, Geno Smith. Geno Smith hung in there, hung in there, hung in there. Back in uh, with the Jets, a lot of problem, whatever. Geno Smith hung in there, hung in there. Got his chance this year. And, man, he Wally pipped Drew Locke. I mean, he just Lou Gehrig to Wally Pip. He just got it done and signed a three-year, $105 million contract. Now I ask you, this is how I go about it. Would I want Geno Smith coach quarterbacking the Colts? I don't think so. I honestly don't. I don't think I would. I think I look at Geno Smith like I look at Phillip Rivers or like I looked at Carson Wentz or like I looked at the guy this year, Matt Ryan, an okay quarterback, overpaid. That's on the downside. I know he had a good year. I know he's a comeback player of the year. Maybe he's on the upside, but I ain't doing it. I'm Belichicking this. And by that, I mean I am not just simply saying, hey, look, fellas, let's take it. I'm not doing it. Nope. Do I want Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking my coach? Absolutely. 100%. He elevates the entire franchise. Do I want, excuse me, do I want Derek Carr? Boy, I don't know. I feel like Derek Carr is in the same boat as Geno Smith, but you know what? You do have to give somebody a contract. Four years, $150 million is what Derek Carr got. You do have to give somebody a contract. Somebody's going to play quarterback for the Colts under a big number. And somebody's going to play quarterback for your team that doesn't have a major league quarterback. Like Dak Prescott's going to play for the uh, for the uh, Cowboys. Who's going to play for the Cardinals? Is it going to be Colt McCoy while Kyler Murray comes back? You know, Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback in, in Cleveland, for better or worse. Who's going to be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons? Who's going to be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Who's going to be the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? Who's going to be the quarterback and we can say the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts. You know what I'm saying. Hell, maybe uh, Ryan Tannehill is hanging in there. We'll get to what the Tennessee Titans are doing. They're looking to shop Derrick Henry smart. It's a full reload. Bud Dupree got cut. Derrick Henry uh, on the block. Who knows what's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill. But I do know this. There is never and there will never be and there can never be a better opportunity for whoever your team is, and I will use two teams, the Colts or the Jacksonville Jaguars, to elevate themselves in a division that's complete crap. Unless you believe that Jacksonville is really good, which I'm not necessarily doing it. You know, it's a big day in the NFL. It's a big day in the NFL, so guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We got the best reporter in the NFL joining us today, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is our friend Armando Sagara, Armando, here's the deal. I got to ask you a simple question. Let's get right into it. I said Lamar Jackson has basically four options. Uh, I guess they could trade him. He could sign a brand new deal. He could take a franchise tag or he could sit. That's the way I look at it. Maybe I missed an option. Can you walk me through Lamar Jackson? I can walk you through Lamar Jackson, Dan, because I'm the best reporter in the NFL. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there was a poll uh, four days ago, and I came out fourth. So just just for no. the sake of accuracy, <laughs> I'm like the fourth right. best reporter in the NFL. Okay, uh, just no. just want to no. be accurate. So Lamar Jackson, look, he's going to be tagged 
uh, by 4 p.m. today. And the reason is he wants a largely guaranteed contract, right? And before the last two seasons happened, there were reasons why the Baltimore Ravens had no intention of ever doing that. Um, that we can get into if you want. But in the last two seasons, Lamar Jackson has missed the end, the final month of the season both times. At a time when the Baltimore Ravens needed him the most to make their playoff push. And so what has happened is a player with now that has durability issues and an inability to guarantee anyone uh, his, his presence in the lineup wants the team to guarantee him money to, to be there. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to most people other than, uh, other than the Lamar Jackson family. But that's that's the reason that those sides are not currently under contract. And what makes it tougher is that Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. So he and Eric DaCosta, the general manager for the Ravens, are the ones that are basically talking, negotiating. And as DaCosta said last week in your hometown of Indianapolis, it's hard when that is the case because you can tell an agent things about his client that you don't necessarily feel comfortable telling the client who will be in the building and you will be dealing with every day and you want him to feel good about himself and you don't want him to, you know, to basically hate his boss every time he comes to work, even if he signs a contract and agrees. So sometimes the hard truth can't be can't be said in these negotiations with players representing themselves, and uh, th that's that's an issue in the Lamar Jackson negotiation. Yeah, you know, I, I think most people want to be their own agent because they want to save the five, ten, seven, whatever percent it is. But most people <clears throat> um, that aren't like sixty years old, like me, been divorced, lost jobs, whatever. You know, you're a little sensitive to hearing your boss say, okay, Lamar, here's how much you played. Look, so people understand this, Armando. There, it takes two to tango, right? Lamar Jackson can come in with all his statistics, and they're great. They're wonderful. I, would, I want him on the Colts. But the team can also come in with all theirs and their analytics. It's a two-sided thing here, right? Do they have I – I, I just thought of this. Do they have, like, independent arbitration like they do in baseball in the NFL? Uh, not in contract negotiations, no. In contract negotiations, no. it's one side and the other. And, you know, they they talk it out and get it done. Or they don't. And if they don't, what happens is you have uh, the Lamar Jackson situation where the team will resort to other means to not lose Lamar Jackson. Now, what's interesting there is everybody understands that he will be franchise tagged. Uh, which means a one-year guaranteed contract um, the, at a certain height, at you know the top, the average of the top five um, salaries at the position for a non-exclusive contract franchise tag. Which means 
If another yeah. team wants to sign Lamar Jackson, they have to give up two first-round picks. That's rough. But there's the exclusive franchise tag contract for one year, which costs $45 million, and that one prevents anyone from speaking with Lamar Jackson. And there's even a big decision there because the Ravens feel, and rightly so, that if they use the lower number on Lamar, there's a there's maybe a team that decides, you know, we don't have a quarterback. We're not relevant. Uh, one way to get relevant is to have a quarterback, and there he is. He can be had for two first-round picks. Let's go get Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, look. Um, you, all right, let me go over. You had a tweet earlier today. Aaron Rodgers, according to Trey Wingo, got himself – I don't know, permission or in trouble, one of the two, uh, with tampering. Uh, and he met, apparently, according to Trey, with the New York Jets. You're kind of sheepish on this. You're not exactly buying this, are you? Well, it has to come with permission from the Green Bay Packers. And this is what I know. I know that when a team has a four-time MVP and they have no intention of giving him away or trading him or moving on from him, they don't give permission for that player to speak with other teams. Now, when they do that, it's like a glowing in neon alert signal that goes beep, beep, beep. And they're willing to trade Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, um, you know, it's out there now, barring an NFL investigation, it's going to tell you that the Green Bay Packers gave permission, which means the Green Bay Packers are open to trading Aaron Rodgers, which is kind of what think, everybody has uh, been thinking all along. I, are they just tired of him or are they, you know, uh, just not good enough? I mean, you know, what, what, what's the reasoning here? Aaron Rodgers, I think, has has become something of a – he's exhausting <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Um, yes. And it's not, it's not so much in the, in the, during the season, but in the offseason, it becomes – look, last year he signed the richest quarterback con contract – on a, on a yearly basis in the entire history of the NFL. He's the first NFL's $50 million player per year. And his response to signing that was not to show up all offseason to the Green Bay Packers offseason program, their camps, their OTAs, so forth. The only thing he showed up to was the mandatory minicamp. Meanwhile, the Packers... They're instituting, you know, changes to the offense. They're bringing in new wide receivers. And Aaron Rodgers not practicing with them, not working out with them until training camp starts in July, late July, early August. Then when the season starts, Aaron Rodgers and his wide receivers aren't on the same page. And Aaron Rodgers is complaining about that because the wide receivers are young and he doesn't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. Well, here's the problem, Aaron Rodgers. Where were you in March, April, May, June, 
and early July. You you were as far away from them as you could get. And so who's to blame here? And you are the example setter that's making more money than anyone in the league. And yet you're complaining. It's not, <coughs> excuse me, a coincidence that the Packers got hot late. Why is that? Because that's when the wide receivers kind of grew up, got comfortable with Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. It could have happened earlier. And now we're we're in the mix. <coughs> Excuse me. We're in the repeat mode unless Aaron Rodgers totally changes course. And he's not likely to change course. Uh what what I've said, I would not pay or I'd take the hit on Zeke Elliott if I were the Cowboys. Uh, Tony Pollard gets the deal or gets a franchise tag. Where are the Cowboys with uh, Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, so right now, you know, the, the Cowboys put the franchise tag on Tony Pollard. So that's $10 million mm-hmm. in cap space. Ezekiel Elliott is costing them $16 million in cap space. That's $26 million, according to Miami-Dade County Public Schools math uh, from, you know, 40 years ago. That's more than anybody in the NFL for your top two running backs. That's not sustainable for a team that uh, has other contract uh, needs and obligations. And it's definitely not sustainable than when Ezekiel Elliott Averaged 3.8 yards per rush last year, gained 100, uh, 800 and some odd yards, was by all definitions, including the eye test, middling. He was okay, but he wasn't $16 million good. And so my guess is that the Cowboys will have to make some adjustment to that contract. My other guess is that Ezekiel Elliott will resist any such adjustment that doesn't include some guaranteed money and or a raise. And he's not getting that. So there's a, there's a meeting of the minds that has to happen by the first day of the league year, which is March, March 15. Um, what else do you see happening today? We saw Geno Smith. Good for him. We saw Derek Carr. Good for him. We've seen some guys franchise tag. Evan Ingram, who had a terrific year uh, with Jacksonville. What, what do you think we're going to see today? Four o'clock's a deadline. Give me a prognostication. Well, you, so you met, you, you just mentioned Geno Smith and um, Derek Carr. Those are huge, huge contracts to the New York Giants. Why do I say this? So Geno Smith signs a three-year contract worth $105 million. Quick Miami-Dade County Public Schools math there. That's an average of $35 million a year. Okay. Derek Carr is signing a four-year contract worth $150 million with the Saints. Quick Miami-Dade County Public Schools math division from 40 years ago, that's $37.5 million. <laughs> the New York Giants now have templates to take into the Daniel Jones negotiation today to tell Daniel Jones, hey, look, dude, you're, it's not $40 million. That's not the number. The, the, the contract doesn't start on an annual average with a four. 
It starts with a three. And that's been their, yeah. that's been yeah. th their stance all along, but they haven't been able to show actual proof that this is how it needs to go. They have that proof now. So that's a huge, huge deal. I wrote about that at Outkick today. That's a huge, huge deal for the Giants. And Daniel Jones and his representatives, you know, faced with evidence, actual, like, hard, tangible evidence, can choose to accept that and kind of try to make a deal before 4 p.m. And if not, Daniel Jones will be franchise tag. It, the franchise tag for quarterback Daniel Jones, which will be a, a non-exclusive tag because nobody's going to pay two first, you know, beyond two first-round picks for him. It's $32 million, 32.4. So that's what's going to happen. Daniel Jones can either see the facts or see the franchise tag. Am I, am I on an island here thinking that I got liking Daniel Jones last year? Am I, am I wrong? I, I'm, 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 I'm fine to be wrong. No, I mean, you're not wrong. Daniel Jones has value, and he has shown it. And last year, the way he yeah. played – that game against Minnesota was amazing. He was just very good. The Daniel Jones contract is not about what has happened, but what is likely to happen. And what the Daniel Jones people say is, look, I've been dealing with some pretty terrible coaching. And last year I dealt with some very limited talent around me. The Giants best receiver at the end of the season last year was a player that they signed off of the Buffalo Bills practice squad who had been released. So Daniel Jones' contention is, you put talent around me. You're good coaches now. We went to the playoffs. I'm an ascending player. I'm going to be really good. I'm only 25 years old. Uh, you've not seen the best of Daniel Jones, and so you have to pay as if you've not seen the best of Daniel Jones. It's going to get a whole lot better. And the Giants, in part, agree with that. They understand that they put more talent around the dude. He's going to be better. But they don't agree to the point, the extent of a contract that starts with a four on an annual average basis. Last thing before I let you go. Do we have a fire sale brewing here in Tennessee with the Titans? <clears throat> yeah, I know. Everybody saw the Titans are offering Derrick Henry in trade. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that one because uh, I'm not sure that it's wholly, wholly accurate. Look, general managers at the Indy Combine talk about everything uh, short of, you know, trading families. And so two general managers discussing Derrick Henry does not Derrick Henry trade talks constitute. Uh, it's it's yeah. a passing conversation. Now, if look, if the Tennessee Titans trade Derrick Henry and trot out Ryan Tannehill as their best offensive weapon, <laughs> oh my God, what a nightmare. Um, that that's not that's not gonna sell a lot of tickets. That's not gonna please the faithful. Um, Derrick Henry is still a premier running back in the NFL. I know he had injury issues uh, a couple of seasons ago. He didn't last year. Uh, and 
he has value. I don't think that it's the value that he has to the Titans. I don't know that anyone would give up a first-round pick for Derrick Henry. Last, last thing. I know everybody thinks the Colts are going to move up and take Bryce Young, but, you know, they've got a quarterback there that they got to pay a lot of money because he did not get hurt, which is Matt Ryan. I, I, I think the Colts situation in, in about two weeks – People are really going to start questioning what the heck's going on there. Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, uh, Matt Ryan. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what are we doing here in Indy? Because I really don't know. Yeah, well, Matt Ryan's not going to be the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. I agree. In so there's that. They're, they're, they're going to move on. He would prefer to move on. They're not in that mode. They're not in we're a quarterback away from a championship mode anymore. And so there will be a change at quarterback. They will, they're trying to, they want to draft one. Uh, the, the, the issue is not where you're picking necessarily. It's picking the right guy. And yeah, there are questions about all of them in this draft. And one of those guys is likely to be the right guy, you know, the question is, can the Colts or any other team pick the right guy? Uh, and I'm not sure that Bryce Young is that guy, by the way. Bryce Young in Josh Allen body is the best quarterback in the NFL. Bryce Young in Bryce Young body is a trip to the injury report. I think there's enough evidence now. You know, people have always said, well, running quarterback's going to get hurt and, and, you know, whatever. But I think there's enough evidence now to say, hey, look, a guy that moves around, I don't know if he's a running quarterback per se, but, you know, but we're going back to Andrew Luck and now we got Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, RG3, uh, Tannehill. I mean, guys that are running a little bit, it ain't, it ain't good business, particularly. I don't care if they say he's 204 pounds or 198 pounds. I don't oh. care. He's slight, Armando. You and I would love to be a slight as frickin' uh, Bryce Young. I'll tell you, at least I would be. I don't want to speak for you. That's a formula for a frickin' hospital stay in that league. Yeah, I haven't been 200 pounds in 20 years. Uh, I'd like <laughs> to get back there, to be honest with you. Right. But I know this. A 200-pound quarterback playing for a team drafting high in the draft typically is playing behind a middling offensive line at best, and that's a great way to get that guy hurt. And that's exactly moreover, a, a smallish quarterback, even when the offensive line is okay, you know, you've got a Tua Tonga Vailoa potential situation. Durability, yeah, according I mean, to Bill Parcells, is an ability and it has to be measured. Wow. And you're less likely to be durable when you're tiny. Ladies and gentlemen, as voted on by his peers, the fourth best reporter in the NFL. I say he's number one, and I don't care what anybody else says. You know what? In my world, Armando, see this guy, right? what has two thumbs, and his opinion is the only one that truly matters. This guy. You're number one in my book, big boy. You're number one. I appreciate that, Dan. Salute, my friend. Have a great afternoon. That's the great Armando Segura. I don't care what anybody says. He's number one in my book. No, he comes on here and he gives you great information and he does it with a smile. All right, I got a lot to get to. Texas Tech has a situation. Texas Tech has a situation. 
is Ole Miss basketball creating a situation? And what in the Sam Henry's going on at CNN? We'll be right back. What are you doing? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, this message is for white coaches. White basketball coaches. I've always said this, white basketball coaches. You're not as clever and smart as you think you are. I worked for the smartest coach in the history of college basketball. I'm just telling you. The dude, Bob Knight, was a genius. You could put him on the Mount Rushmore of smart coaches. Whether other guys are better coaches, I don't know. But I know that Bob Knight, Mike Krzyzewski, John Thompson, and Dean Smith would be my four smartest coaches. And I'm not putting John Thompson in there for diversity. I'm not. That's for you guys to do. I'm putting John Thompson in there because I like listening to John Thompson, and he was really smart. All four of those guys have common sense. All four of those guys never, never got biblical, never thought that they were clever, never thought, well, I'm going to use a Bible passage involving slavery. How stupid are you? Like, didn't you learn from Pat Chambers, the coach at Penn State a couple years ago? Pat Chambers had a player. He started talking about, hey, look, it's biblical, he said. He's sitting this player down, and he's trying to tell the player to remove stress, and he uses a noose. Get the noose off your neck, and it's so freaking stupid. Pat Chambers got fired. The player got mad. Players are always going to get mad. You think you're helping a player, they're just mad. Anything they can do to screw you, they're going to screw you. And I don't even know if that's screwing because Pat Chambers was stupid given this climate. In 1980, you want to do it fine. You can do a lot of things. You can MF, you can practice that. There's a lot of things. But in the current climate, coaches, white coaches in particular, don't think you're so damn smart and you're getting down by talking about what? Slavery, Mark Adams, talking about, well, uh, how slaves serve their masters to a bunch of kids. And, you know, truthfully, if I, would, if I sat there as a white kid, I'd be like, what? There's a bazillion passages in the Bible, Mark Adams, you clown. There's a bazillion of them. You don't have to use one that references slavery. Use something else. Go to Proverbs. There's great stuff in Proverbs. Uh, Go to uh, Philippians. Philippians is a great story. Man is chained, but he's still enthusiastic and lives with joy. Come on. My God, the level of stupid... On Mark Adams, and he can deny everything he wants. It doesn't matter. If you said in a locker room, whether it's a quote or not, slavery, masters, you're done. 
And Mark Adams is done. I'm going to talk to uh, Doug Gottlieb coming up here. He may disagree with me, and that's fine. That's why I like Doug. But I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting in the locker room. Coach comes in, starts talking to us about slavery and acquiescing to the slave master. And I understand he put religious and other things allegedly in. But I got to tell you, I'm I'm looking around going, "Are, are you insane? Like, how stupid are you? Like, if you're that stupid, coach, I got to tell you, I, I can't play for you. I, I'm sorry. And he can go out and he can say whatever he would like. He can say anything he would like. But when you use that, people are saying, well, is he not allowed to quote the Bible? Of course he can quote the Bible. I just said there's 8 million verses in the Bible, and they're all great. Some of them involve murder. There's all kinds of things going on in the Old Testament. It was crazy. It was Caligula. It was Thunderdome in the Old Testament. But I got to tell you, to a bunch of student athletes, white or black, you're using slaves? I don't know what to tell you. People say it's a non-story. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I'm not condemning it. I'm just saying it's stupid. It's literally stupid to do that, assuming you want to keep the job, Uh, assuming you do. I'm not condoning it. I'm not condemning it. I'm just telling you it is flat out stupid to do that. And you can come, you're not coming back from it. You are absolutely not coming back from it. That's the next thing they'll try to hit me with, you know, somehow, some way, but they know where I'm from and who, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I got to tell you, Racism is what they'll hit. They hit misogynists. They've hit I'm a bully, blah, 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 blah. Mark, I don't know you. I don't know you. But if I was one of your assistants, I'd be like, you know what? You're an idiot. And now you're going to get us all fired, except Corey Williams will get the chance to be the head coach, and I hope he does well. Honest to God, it, I, 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 and I know, I know Mark Adams is backpedaling. I know he's saying, hey, look, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing wrong. He was suspended for inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comments. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I know there's a backstory because there's always a backstory. I don't know what the backstory is. Apparently, after the incident, Kirby Hokut, who's a nice guy, knew him back when he was in Ohio, addressed the matter, written reprimand. He made the decision, Hokut did, uh, to suspend Adams after uh, to conduct more of an inquiry. Nah, that's not true. I mean, I guarantee you, he made the uh, decision to suspend him after he got heat. And I don't know who he got heat from. Maybe uh, African-American players, white players. I don't know. But he got heat. And when you get heat, Guess what? In this world, you get heat and you go and say, what? He's out. Because it gives the athletic director cover. Period. It's what it does. And anybody that doesn't believe that, God bless you. But I'm not going to lie to you. This is a true story. Coaches used to call me when I was a, when I was a uh, in coaching, when I was a head coach, with their problem, like, Dan, I heard from a lot of people, you're great at figuring this stuff out. Okay. What do you got? I might tell Mark Adams, man, I got to tell you, see how much money you can get, and, uh, you know, because you gone. 
And, I, and, and that's too bad because I'm assuming Mark Adams is probably deep down a good guy that's helped a lot of kids, okay? Uh, speaking of issues, you know what I said yesterday, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. And by the way, last thing about Adams. Adams has said the comments he made were not racist. He was quoting a Bible verse when he told one of his players that there is always a master and a servant. I was quoting scripture. Well, you are an idiot. If you were quoting that scripture, you're an idiot. Quote all the scripture you want. Quote it all. I don't care. But not when it comes to masters and slavery. You just don't do it. Instead, you're just not as clever as you think you are. Speaking of clever, speaking of interesting things, all right? Ole Miss is looking at Chris Beard. Now, I told you this yesterday. I, I told you uh, that they were talking. Now they've met, apparently, allegedly. Get fired for anything except what, people? That's right, losing, and you too shall have another job in college basketball. Bob Huggins cheating his brains out, drunk on video, blah, 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 but he's always won and he's in the Hall of Fame. And I got a great Bob Huggins cheating story. The woods is full of dudes. Calvin Sampson cheated not once, but twice. Cheated on his way to conduct a seminar for all, every coach in college basketball. He was the head of the coach association. He was cheating on his way to a all-coaches meeting the day after the Bartman thing in Chicago. I was there. He ran the meeting on integrity. He ran it, but it came out later that he was cheating his brains out with phone calls and all kind of crap on the way to the meeting. But he got another job. Get fired for anything but losing. Anything. And no, Chris Beard will end up in the SEC. He'll end up in the SEC with Chris Jans. I've told you this before. Who's Chris Jans? Mississippi coach. What's Chris Jans got to do with this? You saw what happened at New Mexico State, right? Chris Jans was last year's coach at New Mexico State. He brought the coach in, Greg Heyer, to New Mexico State. He set the culture at New Mexico State that Heyer apparently uh, couldn't control. And next thing you know, they shut down the whole damn program. This comes after Chris Jans was a little touchy-feely with some young co-eds or some women in bars in, blue, uh, in Bowling Green, and Bowling Green had to let him go. The world is insane. Get fired for anything but what, ladies and gentlemen? I can't hear you losing, and you'll always find another job. It is not my words. It's the great Royce Waltman's words. And I don't even know if he was great, actually. I didn't really like him. I, I don't want to talk ill about him. He's dead, but he always kind of treated me like a jackass. Um, but anyway, uh, but it, it is pretty good. It is pretty smart. All right, I talked about this yesterday, but I cannot get enough of this. Jeff Zucker is evil. Do you know who Jeff Zucker is? Raise your hand if you know who Jeff Zucker is. He was the former head of CNN. He told staffers not to investigate the lab leak in China, not to investigate where COVID came from because, ladies and gentlemen, it is a Trump talking point. It came out the other day and we talked about it. A guy at CNN said, you know what? People are slowly starting to wake up from the fog. They're slowly starting to see what happened. You know, they're slowly and surely starting to see 
what in the Sam hell is going on around here? And CNN decided, hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. I got to tell you something. Don't put it out there because Trump will talk about it and it'll be a win for Trump. Now, I've got to tell you, I'll look dead in the camera and just tell you that's evil. I said it yesterday. I wanted to talk about it today because, because, well, frankly, it's evil. It costs people lives. And CNN participated in this knowingly. That is evil. E-V-I-L. And they should offer an apology to every person that said China virus, every person that said Wuhan, and every person that lost their job for being deemed as racist when, in fact, it turns out to be true. But we don't care about that. That's not our thing. We just want to suppress. And I don't even want to get into the integrity of CNN, do I? Do I want to get into the integrity of CNN? Yeah, let's. How much integrity do you not have to suppress real news when you are a news organization? And don't tell me every single private company can dictate what they want. Sure they can. But when you bill yourself as unbiased and just the giver of the news and you legitimately hold back maybe the most important news of its time. Where did this virus come from? Because you're trying to shift a political landscape. That's evil. That's awful. That's wrong. That's no integrity. That's freaking CNN. And they're giving me gas. That should be our new segment. Who's giving me gas today? CNN, Jeff Zucker. I'm glad you're the ex-boss. You should be the ex-freaking boss. I'm just telling you. It's ridiculous. What are you doing? Why are we involved in the news if you're not going to comment or talk about or report the best, biggest story in the world? Where did this killer virus come from? But we're not going to do that. We refuse to do that. We want to, oh man, orange man bad. Who cares if Trump gets a win on one issue? It really blanks me off. And look at this smug. Get yourself a picture of Jeff Zucker. Just a smug little bag. Just a smug little pass. Jeff Zucker. I got two words for you. My backside. This dude ran CNN. All right. Quit doing dumbass. Quit doing dumb stuff. I don't even know what the... Uh, Shaq completely agrees with Deion Sanders. Quit doing dumb stuff. You know why I don't do dumb stuff, Shaq said? Because my daddy would have whooped my backside. Shaq's dad was a military guy. Shaq's dad was stationed in San Antonio. Guess what? Deion Sanders, can you believe this? Deion Sanders is catching heck from a lot of places. Deion Sanders on two-parent homes. Deion Sanders on religion. He's got an atheist group. Let me tell you what I would say to the atheist group. Two words. Kiss my backside. That's what I would say to the atheist group. Are you out of your freaking mind? Are you nuts? What's wrong with you, atheist group? I don't care about you, atheist group. If I want to talk to my team about religion, that's what I'm going to do. You want to get mad at it? Fine. Fire me. Hell, if they fire Deion Sanders, guess what? Deion Sanders is going to go ahead and get himself a new job tomorrow, maybe today. By the time he walks out of there, By the time he walked out of there, they are going to give him, ladies and gentlemen, a freaking new job. So atheist group, kiss my backside. 
Well, an atheist group, good, you're idiots. I guarantee you're all nuts anyway. I'll bet you money on it. I will make claim that that group has crazy blank people who are like, well, you know, it's the law in Colorado. I stand with Deion Sanders. I stand with Shaq. I stand with the legends. Deion, you got your program. You want to talk about religion? Go ahead. You want to talk about two-father homes? Go ahead. You got to deal with it. You know, what you say matters, but I, hey, look, I think everybody should have a two-father home. Uh, the rate, 73% of fatherless uh, African-Americans uh, in the home, a fatherless home is ridiculous. It used to be the other way. I was just watching somebody, I forget who it was, talk about, you know, it used to be 70% of African-American homes had a dad. And now it's 73% don't. That's not right. And if you're going to be a father, be a dad. If you're going to have a kid, be a dad. You can get mad at me all you want. You can Tony Dungeon me, whatever you feel like doing. But I stand by that. I said this the other day, 50 years old, acting a fool. My dad said, hey, we got to have a sit down. Too many women hanging around you. You're hanging out too much at night. Hey, we got to straighten this. And you know what? He was right. John Morant, your dad. I'm not even mentioning his name because he wants publicity. Be a dad, not a hanger on. I've been saying it forever. Forever. I've been saying it. I'm screaming, aren't I? I don't mean to scream, but I'm fired up here about this stuff. This is the reason I left ESPN right here, so I can talk about this stuff. Yesterday, I saw a text or a tweet. Uh, used to be when I would send a text or a tweet, I'd get called in. I remember having to call Norby Williamson, the head of ESPN, about a tweet that had no sexual innuendo, nothing. But they thought it did, and I had to answer for it. Before Ohio State game, I'm like, Norby, I don't know what to tell you, man. This is a friend of mine. Actually, he watches the show, Brad Clapper. I was, I insulted him through Dane Five. I'm like, I, you know, well, Dan, you know, well, yesterday, you know what I saw? Our friend Kendrick Perkins dropping F-bombs on Twitter. I cannot help you, people. Doug Gottlieb joins us next. I got to get Doug's opinion on a big day in the NFL. I got to get his opinion on a big day in college basketball because they're all big from here on out. We'll be right back with the great one, Doug Gottlieb. Well, when Doug Gottlieb and I get together, people get upset, and rightfully so, because we're going to tell you what we think. It's just the way it is, and we don't get offended if we disagree with one another. Uh, Doug is America's, one of America's foremost authorities on college basketball, but I would argue his opinions on everything have real meaning, to me at least. I don't know about to you, but his show is wildly successful, so don't at me. Hey, uh, I got to get into this. I'm getting tired of Aaron Rodgers. In fact, I am tired of Aaron Rodgers. Give me your Aaron Rodgers take. I think the Packers are tired of Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I don't know if you saw this report today that uh, they allowed a phone call, some sort of conversation between him and the Jets, which is, you know, once you call the divorce lawyers, the marriage is over, right? Um, so I, I, this is over. And I, I don't, uh, on the surface, the talent, I mean, he's an, still an obscene talent and can play and, and likely gives the Packers Again, on paper, the best chance to win the Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl. But between the by language, um, I, you know, I understand that we as and look, I do a radio show as you do this show where I love the content that he gives us on Pat McAfee. Right. But the idea, the idea that 
you have no idea what he's going to say or what wormhole they're going to go down when you're trying to run a football team in the Green Bay Packers. Like that, that doesn't fit well with how it's supposed to work, how it works in every other major organization. And then I, I honestly believe this. Um, holding them hostage last year, making them give him this new deal where he got all the money up front, and then not being fully committed to coming back to the Packers at least at the end of the year. Like at some point, just like, hey, you know, it, it's almost like an abusive relationship. We're done here. You know, we're, we're done here. And let's do the best we can in order to allow him to move on to the Jets. And the irony is, right, is how he wanted to separate himself from Favre's legacy for so long. And now he's going to go to the exact same team. You, you, it, it, it's an amazing one. Amazing one. And here's the other part. He's much better than Jordan Love. He's much more talented than Jordan Love. He's obviously way more experienced. But you don't always win on pure talent, right? And the idea, I don't know how good Jordan Love is. He's actually got an amazing personal story. Of course, his dad killed himself as a, a police officer when he was, a, uh, I, I think he was in middle school. He got dropped off at like a middle school game. Like it was a really terrible story. And he was kind of raised by the foundation of these other police officers and then had one great year at Utah State. But, but all that aside, like sports teams win because they're together. They have one agenda and that's winning. And I think the Packers, frankly, are taking back their team. I don't know if Jordan Love's good enough, and they may completely sink, and this may be a mistake, but at least it's a bunch of guys that want to be there. Right? It's the old uh, Mike Tomlin. We, we don't want hostages here. We want volunteers. And I I, I've gotten to know Aaron Rodgers. I'm not currently friendly with him. I respect his intelligence. He can do more things with a football as quarterback than maybe anybody who's played the game. But I think all of us are like, dude, this is just a lot. We're kind of done here. If the Jets want to take a shot, go for it. Classic Jets move, and let's see if it pays off. Uh, Doug, I said this about Lamar Jackson. I'm in love. I love Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is just fun to watch. I think he's terrific. I thought this is senior. I didn't watch him as junior when he won the Heisman, but I caught him one game as senior. I'm like, wow. Um, Lamar Jackson has, I think, four options. You can tell me if there's more, but trade, sit out, those are two, take the franchise tag, or sign a new deal. Where is he going what, to what, – what's going to happen of those four? Maybe there's another one. What's going to happen with him? Well, he doesn't actually have the option. That, that, the ball's in the Ravens' court. Right? Like we, we do a terrible job of describing this to the common viewer if the Ravens want to keep him for the next three years okay, at, a, at a high rate of one-year deals of guaranteed money, there is no negotiation if he wants to play football. right Now, he can sit out, but if they franchise tag him exclusively, there's no negotiation. He can do that for two years. And they can do a transitional tag, which is even more money in the third year. So he doesn't really have the options outside of sitting out. Um, I like Lamar Jackson. He's a lot better than I thought he would be. Light years better as an NFL quarterback than I thought he would be. But he screwed this thing up by not having an agent. Completely screwed up. Now, he may end up winning in the end, getting a new five-year contract if they uh, don't exclusive tag him today and say the Falcons, in their desperation to find a guy to rebuild their franchise around, 
give him that five-year guaranteed Deshaun Watson plus a dollar sort of money. But uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, Lamar Jackson has missed 10 of the last 22 games for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay? 10 of the last 22. He's missed seven regular yeah. season games in each of the last two seasons and missed a playoff game this year due to some form of injury. Okay? And this is when he's at his healthiest. The style he plays football, he's going to get hurt. Okay? And the idea that they're going that that the league should give him something the league should give him more money than an outlier Deshaun Watson contract. And and again, like I understand how it usually works is whatever the last contract signs, the next guy gets a little bit more. And if you look at it on paper, he's an MVP, Deshaun Watson was not. Right? He's never had a major injury. Deshaun Watson's torn his ACL twice. He has zero off the field issues. Deshaun Watson, a litany of issues. Okay? Those things are fair, but there's been six or seven other contracts signed by talented quarterbacks, which don't come anywhere near the five-year guaranteed money. Don't come anywhere near the five-year guaranteed money that he's asked. And this deal could have been done had he simply had an agent. He wouldn't have fallen to 32 in the first round if he had an agent. The deal would have been done a year ago if he had an agent because you, you can't negotiate yourself and without the true working knowledge of the cap and bonuses, there's a middle ground between three years upfront and guaranteed and five years fully guaranteed. There's workable bonuses that everybody knows you can achieve that puts you above the threshold of what Deshaun Watson is getting. But on principle, the Ravens aren't going to do it. So I, I do think they're, they're, the Falcons are like the one team, right? If the Jets are off the docket, like the Falcons would be the one team or maybe the Panthers. But you're in a winning organization that had previously built the entire thing around you. Drafted first-round draft pick wide receivers. Drafted, uh, uh, paid the tight end more than anybody else in the league. So I, I think the demands are excessive. I think it's probably going to get him on a different team in the future. I don't know if it's this year, if it's next year, or if it's in the third year. But as we can all like Lamar Jackson. We need to stop with the BS narrative of the Ravens don't want to pay him. No, they don't want to give him some stupid contract that Cleveland gave. That Cleveland gave to Sean Watson. It's a terrible contract. They want to give him a contract in line with all of the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Jackson doesn't have the ability to truly negotiate because he's on this hard and fast stance and he doesn't appear to want to come out. There was a day, and it still happens once in a while, not nearly as often, but Coaches, head coaches in college basketball, including probably three Hall of Famers, somehow I became known as the fixer. Guys would call me and say, hey, I got this problem. I heard you kind of solve things for Coach Knight. Help me out here. And it would, I would get calls from dudes. I'm like, wow, that dude's like won a million games. He's calling me? Okay. Um, so my advice to every white coach – you can say African-American if you'd like, but my wife, don't get too clever with the Bible. Don't get too smart with analogies. Um, Mark Adams, because white coaches aren't nearly as smart and clever as they think they are. They, they, and, and I've always told Cody, I told Krzyzewski this, I go, you guys think you're genius, you're not. You're a basketball coach, so you know, make sure you always understand that. Don't get too clever. 
Mark Adams, to me, is done. I can't believe he will come back from this because he got, there's eight bazillion passages in the Bible. Use one of those. Nothing with slavery or masters. What's your take on it? Well, there's a lot more to it um, in that this is, uh, this is like tip of the iceberg stuff. And well, of course. There's, there's a lot, uh, but, but not even in, in, in his running with, with this one kid or in this one Bible verse, right? This started right. last offseason when he put his son on staff and they made decisions about who they wanted to keep and who left them in the portal. Look around the country at Illinois, look at, at Kansas. You got two super talented kids that have been with them for years that they allowed to leave in the portal. And you can say, well, they got outbid. Like, nah, if you want to be, if, if you want them at Texas Tech, that collective will get them for you. Okay. Texas Tech is funded well enough to compete at the top 10 in college basketball. They can win a national championship at Texas Tech because of the support in the area, the support from the donors. So it's like, all right, if you're going to let those guys go, you better bring in dudes that are better. And they didn't. Okay. Um, they brought in guys that they misevaluated and he's caught the blame. His son's caught the blame and that's led. And there's some other off the court stuff. He's just, he's kind of a different sort of dude. He's been a junior college coach and we know like junior college coaches are quirky is a nice way of putting. Sometimes they're very, very quirky because it's Juco, right? You get away with kind of anything in Juco. As long as you got five on the court wearing the same uniform and we don't even understand you need the same uniform. Okay. So I, I, I think that's just a, in terms of the Bible, like, like what, what is the win in trying to right. use a Bible verse? Right. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, here's, can I give you a quick story? Tom Brennan told me this awesome Please. story. His first day on staff, first practice on staff uh, with the great Bill Raftery at Seton Hall. And they're running through some offense, five on five, and Billy blows the whistle. And he points, yeah, now you got to move here, you got to move there, you got to move there. He walks back, all right, now run it again. And Tom Brady comes up to him and goes, Billy, that was great. That was great. And after he turns to me and looks, he says, Tommy, it's all bullshit. You make it, you're a genius. They, they, miss, they make it, you're a genius. They miss it, you're an idiot. That's basketball, right? Yeah. Like, let's not overthink this yeah. thing. If it was rocket science, if it was rocket science, there would be rocket scientists on the sideline. If it was, if it was Bible yeah. study, there would be preachers on the sideline. Just coach ball, play hard, play together, with, do the right I thing off with, the court. Period. I agree with just, I agree with just coach ball, but it's a little deeper than what Raftery uh, made it. No question. I mean, in my opinion. Uh, but you're right. I mean, what's the win on a freaking Bible verse? I mean, please, God, somebody tell me, what, what are you doing that is going to, like, what is it going to inspire your team to go, you know, I don't know, what? Coach Knight, his way of religion was we always had a priest, Father Higgins, in the locker room, he, and he was in there pregame, and he'd go, hey, Padre, how's the God business? And then we went along. Calvin Sampson, this was always my favorite when I worked for Calvin the one year. Like, I knew the crap he was doing. I got there after all of it. And the crap he continued to do and the sleaziness and the ridiculousness of Calvert uh, uh, Sampson. But before the coaches went out for the game, we would all hold hands in a circle and pray. 
And I'm like, this is the most hypocritical. And I would look at him and he's, you know, doing uh, his Kelvin uh, the, thing. The, the, Kel the, he, Kelvin yeah. the Kelvin hand-holding thing, we, we couldn't, when I was at O State, oh. like, we couldn't take the hand-holding thing. We're like, jeez. Oh. Uh, look, I, may, I, said, I mean, Coach Sun would just tell us to go to church on Sunday. You know, like, hey, go to church on Sunday. You guys, you guys all need it. You guys all need it. Pray, pray in silence. Let's go out and my, play My Serbian people, Milosevic, he would make fun of me because I'm Serbian, and Milosevic was a genocide guy, and that's how he would get me. You know, I mean, hey, look, it's a different, it's a different world. It's idiotic. I got to tell you. Well, uh, I, I just like look, listen. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. He's done. Um, I, I, I actually, I don't believe him to be a racist in any way. I, I do think no. that some of this is the dis. I, I think some of this is the disconnect in younger the younger generation that they hear words and they don't actually understand they don't, they don't take time to understand the reference and what people are saying right it's like do you know that they took literally and changed the meeting in the dictionary this is a real thing that literally is actually defined not just in terms of literally but also it's another definition for figuratively which doesn't make any sense but that's this new generation where you can take words right. and get triggered by them and and believe them to somehow be offensive. I don't think that's really what's at play here at Tech. Okay, this is a it's a coup d'état. That's what it is. And this is just I one agree. in the litany of one in the litany of things, uh, the, in the litany of things that people have a problem with. And the, but the biggest issue is they're not winning. <laughs> they picked some of the wrong guys. They don't fit their style. Last year they were awesome. This year they're not. They're buried in last in the best league in the country. And he's going to be looking for work. And the school's trying to get out of paying him his buyout. They offered him, I was told they offered him a buyout like a month and a half, two months ago. Came into his office. He kicked him out of his office, went down and coached practice. So he's been fighting this battle. And this is probably the one. This is this is how they capone it. You know, and look, every guy that's ever been a head coach, and maybe some assistants will tell you, that we all know about the list. Here comes the list. 1987. You said this, 2001, you did this, 2013. The list is glorious. I mean, the, we all know there's that list. And in this world, the only people that are perfect are the people that write about the list. I got to ask you uh, a couple of things. I, I, okay. I look at this NCAA tournament. Everybody says the same thing, wide open, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. It's <laughs> wide open. But I'm going to ask you specifically about Purdue. Young guards. Big man, old school big man, give me your take on Purdue as a national champion. I'm not saying, you know, big run. That Are they national champion good as constructed? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I think, and it, again, let me, let me work out a hypothesis uh, on, on Purdue, okay? First thing is, and I think you would agree with this, they're the best in the country at getting kids to buy into their role. The best in the country. No question. Right? And you're like, man, they just, those kids, because that's what you learn when you become an adult, right? And they say pros do what they do and don't do what they can't do. When you watch Purdue, those guys are all into their roles. And if you want to know why a guy isn't playing as much, it's because he ain't playing his role. Like, I, and I don't know what, how they get him to drink, take the blue pill, but they all play their role and play it really well. Now, they're not as athletically talented, especially at some key spots. And there are ways in which they can be beaten. Indiana's exploited that, right? They're just too quick and too athletic uh, for Purdue. And because they know what's coming. But here's where I think Purdue can get to a Final Four where Painter hasn't gotten to the Final Four before. 
Zach Eady is a unicorn in college basketball. There, there's no, he's one of one. There aren't other seven foot three dudes that can play a little bit. Okay. And when you have one day to prepare for a team that has a guy that you've never played against, it's really, really, really difficult. You know, it's really difficult. It's, it's one of the reasons I think Louisville for a long time when they had Rick Pitino was hard to beat in the tournament. Syracuse is hard to beat in the tournament because when you play a unique style or you have a unique player, that's hard. You can't like in one day go, all right, fellas, the way we played all year, we got to play differently. Now, can you exploit the fact their guards are young and not crazy athletic? Yes. Can you take, if you can defend Zach Eady at the rim, can you, his lack of movement defensively, can you make him pay? Yes. But like we're, we're, we're saying they can't win a national championship because they haven't beaten Indiana. Like, look, they still won the Big Ten. Right? Big Ten's still right. a good league. And if you don't like them, that's fine. Tell me who you do like. You like UCLA? I like UCLA. They just lost Jalen Hands probably for the year. He's their best defender, second leading scorer. You like any of the schools in the Big 12? I love Kansas. Okay, but Kansas has very little depth inside. Zach Eady would wear them out. I don't know what that game would look like, right? So I could go around. I can tell you I don't like Purdue, but then I have to tell you who I do like. And to anybody who says, well, they couldn't beat this team from the past and that team, here's what I found. They don't have to play any team from the past. All they have to play is six other opponents. So can they? Yes. Do I, I, do I, and, and we have a history. We've seen freshman guards going to run. I love Braden Smith. I think he can be a little bit physically overwhelmed. I think the SEC and the Big 12 have better athletic talent. And the Big 12 and some of those SEC teams are very well coached. But this Purdue team can absolutely get to a Final Four, can absolutely win a national championship. The games they have to be most cautious of are the Sweet 16 game um, and a, a Final Four game because those teams have time to prepare, get a true game plan, understand yeah. what they're going against. Because in the Elite Eight or in the second round, when you got one day to prepare for that big dude, it's just different. They play different than most everybody else. I'm going to make a dumb prediction here, and it, it kills me. Uh, but I'm watching more basketball this year than I have ever watched since I was a coach. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to basketball all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I'm watching last night. I got Hofstra going. I, got, I mean, I'm watching Eastern Washington lose at the buzzer. I'm watching every single thing. I don't know why, but I've lost my mind back into college basketball. And I'm telling Hi, you. It's, it's, it's great. Wait, what, what's the matter with falling, what's the matter with falling back on. in love with your first love? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. It, You're I'm like apologizing you, for it. I watched the. I watched the Pac-12 play, and I love it. I'm telling you, like, when here's Matt Painter. Two years ago, they lose, or maybe it was last year. Hell, I can't remember. Two years ago, they lose to somebody, and he's taking out Sasha Stefanovic because he misses a switch on a ball screen. And so his two best shooters, he took out another kid, are out while they can't make a shot, but we're still trying to defend a ball screen. I've always said the Pac-12 doesn't care about that when they get in a tournament. Pac-12 is going to, hey, you missed the switch? You gave up two? Go hit a three. I'm telling you, I'm watching Pac-12 basketball. Jaime Jaquez is my second to Edie for National Player of the Year. I'll go with Trace Jackson Davis third or anybody else you want to say. But I love the fact these dudes get up and down. They play loose. And, Doug, I swear to God, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, whether they get two or four or three, whatever it is, they're going to be successful in the tournament. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, UCLA doesn't play fast in three, but they do. He let he does let him play offensively. You know, his thing is you give, dude, give me some toughness defensively. Dude, I'll let you play. Watch offensive. them compared to these Big Ten teams. These Big Ten teams are oh, an I, anima. UCLA yeah, no, gets they, up and down the court. Uh, and Arizona obviously plays free. I mean, the thing with Arizona is I do think their guards a little soft. You know, I mean, UCLA kind of punked them uh, Saturday in Poly, but yeah, they do. They, they have do. firepower. And and they play beautiful offensive basketball, especially Arizona plays beautiful offensive basketball. They're just a different version of Gonzaga in terms of their movement, spacing, some of the actions they run, the freedom that they play with, and the skill that that, that they develop. I, I agree. I mean, like, it's it's easy to kick the Pac-12 because the bottom of the league is bad. Bottom league's bad. Just no other way around it, right? Cal, Stanford, Washington. That's that's really what's changed in this league is that those programs that traditionally have dudes are NCAA tournament teams. They don't. And we could do a whole other show if we wanted to and bore people on what's happened. The biggest thing is NIL, you know, is that those aren't schools that have booster groups that'll, that'll, that'll form a, a collective and then pay kids. The SEC does. That's where many of the dudes have gone. Yeah, um, and the way that Arizona's been able to, to, to fight that is with foreign players, right? The way UCLA has been able to, to, to do that is maybe recruit one high-level guy a year. The rest of those guys are four- or five-year college guys. I'm Ihaquez, good player from Camarillo, but nobody was saying one and done. Now, years later, I think he's a very good NBA player. He's tough. He can score. He can guard multiple positions. Um, I, I, I would love UCLA to get to the Final Four. The Jalen Hands injury on a team that really was like six or seven deep, and he's their best defender, and he can make shots, that one makes me think if he can't play – and they haven't said anything about his status. And you know how this works. It's like Beheim used to do it at Syracuse when you'd have injury. You don't say anything because you know it's going to affect your seed, but it'll affect their team. I, I, I love the way traditionally – I mean, look, SC's a team. They got dudes that can score now. Boogie Ellis, they yeah, spread you do. out. That's a team that could be – absolutely. That you look at you like, they're in the tournament. They'll be in the tournament. And I think they could, they could win two games in it as well. So I agree with you in premise. I'll just say in practice this year – UCLA's injury gives me pause. I think Arizona's going to be good yeah. in the tournament. I still think UCLA advanced in the tournament. I just don't think they can win a national championship if they don't have Jalen Hand. Yeah, that, that injury, I, you know what? That, that just stinks for that crew because, you know, I, I think I told you before, the Hawkes family stayed with us throughout the NCAA tournament. Uh, Gabriella was here. She's an awesome girl playing at the dad, the mom, the cousins. My wife coached his aunt. So the whole family came here and stayed for like two weeks, and they were freaking awesome. So I, I'm personally invested, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I love the family. So anyway, my friend. And by, by the way, by the way, by the way, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been, I've been, it's Jalen Clark. I had a conversation about Jalen Hands, who's a yeah. former, former guard at UCLA. I screwed it up. Jalen Clark. I'm my, my bad. It's early on the West Coast. I'm up late watching all his games. So Jalen Hands, a former player. Anyway, Jalen Clark got hey. hurt the other night. And stud kid, you, stud you player. Got a, you got a thousand things. You got a thousand things dead right, and I, I, I'll give you one. Hey, you're at. Uh, well, I, uh, I, I caught it before we went off, and then all of a sudden, Twitter's gonna light me up. So when we go, when you guys go to edit, make sure you put Clark, <laughs> Clark, Clark. I uh, think I'm so bad. My bad. Uh, St. Mary's Gonzaga. What are we gonna see tonight, real quick? I know you're calling it for Westwood One. Yeah. Uh I don't know because it was two very different games. Okay. Game one was played in Moraga and Gonzaga had a big lead. They, they did a great job of keeping Aiden Mahaney. Aiden Mahaney 
is an elite level freshman guard. He actually played for Randy Bennett's AAU team since I think like fifth or sixth grade. So that thing was, was done a long time ago. He's a stud. He didn't play well until midway through the second half, and then he just took over, and they came back and beat the Zach. Second time around, which was I think last week up at the kennel, um, Gonzaga sped him up, pressed him, and it's it was a game way, 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 way too fast. I think Gonzaga wins because this is very similar to last year, right? Slow, slow pace in Moraga. If it's slow, Gonzaga, uh, St. Mary's got a great shot because they probably have the best perimeter score and um, and they they have a good beat on Drew Timmy on how to play against Timmy because they've played against him like it seems like 30 times and it'll be a brutally <laughs> right. physical game if it's played in the half court. But it, I, I know you stayed up and watched last night. I did as well. They're up 27, I think, on oh. BYU and BYU and BYU does not have a great pressing lineup. BYU pressed them. And my thought was like, hey, Randy, have you guys done press break? You know, it's so tentative at times. <laughs> right. And then when they would break the press to score, their bigs just don't score quickly at the rim. Like, yikes. So, obviously, Gonzaga is going to try and speed them up. Um, I, I think Gonzaga got challenged last night by, by San Francisco. So, I got think it, Gonzaga man. wins in a really fun game that's probably in the high 70s, low 80s. But if that thing's on pace for the 60s, St. Mary's and Aid Mahaney late is the one you want to take. So, uh, and, and coaches always say it's easier to slow a game down than it is to speed it up. I, yes and no. I think Gonzaga speeds him up tonight and wins. Appreciate it. Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark. God leaves an idiot. <laughs> Jalen Clark. My bad. My bad, Double no, D. No. Uh-uh. You brought it. You, you see my Joe Burrow shirt? On the West Coast. You, you, see, you see my Joe Burrow shirt? Well, jeez. Yeah. I, I, thought, yeah. I, thought, Another, I thought your Ohio time, your Ohio I, connection would love my Joe Burrow shirt in the morning. Another bought and sold media member for a T-shirt, Doug Gottlieb, ladies and gentlemen. What do you mean bought and sold media member? Nobody bought and sold me. Bought I'm a Chargers sold, fan. I got respect for nice Burrow. Burrow. <laughs> uh, Why? He's hair. a stud. Joe Burrow. Hold on. Better hair. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Nobody has better hair than Justin Herbert. Nobody has better hair than Justin not, I agree. Thanks, hey, 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 I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you something real. Wait, wait, wait. Can I give you something real? I know you got to go. Sort of. You kind of have breaks, but you yeah. don't really. Okay. Yeah. Bro, here, we're, we started by talking about Aaron Rodgers, right? Now the juxtaposition of Aaron Rodgers and his body language when things go bad to Joe Burrow when he's playing against the Chiefs and things are going bad, right? Like, there's a lot of things I love about Aaron Rodgers, but Joe Burrow, he throws a bad pick, you wouldn't know it. Guy makes a bad call, you wouldn't know it. I, that guy, he's he's got it. He's absolute. Whatever the it is, he All has right. it. As an old guy, though, one guy's young, yes. one guy's old. You know what I mean? So old guys like ah crap, here you go again. Young guys still full of you know enthusiasm. He hasn't been beat down by the weather, beat down by the day. We talked about he got sacked more than any quarterback down. in the NFL. He, last I last know. year, got, now I'm not talking about he has been beaten beat down. down. I'm talking mentally beat down. Look, not if you like don't it, like, not it, like a 58 if you year don't, old. If, if you don't enjoy, if you don't enjoy doing it anymore, don't do it anymore. But what you can't do I is agree. guy runs the wrong route, and or you don't like the play call, and you look over like you can't. Yeah, you know, that's not how team sports works. I you agree. know that. 
Oh, hey, look, I would argue that he might be the most on-field, court, or pitch slappable guy in sports. Like, he is the most <laughs> slappable when he goes into that. You know what I mean? You're like, shut Yes. Up. I'm telling you. Yes. I got, yes. I got product to sell. I got to go. Thank you. Uh, another bought and sold American, uh, modern uh, media member. Hey, my <laughs> wife calls me Danny Free Sheesh Dockage. I am Danny Free Crap Dockage. That's right, pal. Right here. Right, <laughs> right here. Uh, Thanks, my friend. See you, brother. Have a great day. That's the great Doug Gottlieb. I love listening to him. I do. He I, Look, I only listen to guys that really know, and Gottlieb really knows. All right. I got a top five Tuesday, and it is going to help you long term when you fill out your NCAA tournament bracket. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Hey, Kurt Schilling has joined the OutKick crew. He has a baseball show that is fantastic. He had Lenny Dykstra uh, on the other day, and Lenny Dykstra was magnificent, as he always is. Such a weird dude, but I absolutely love him. All right, here's the deal. Uh, join Kurt Schilling on Tuesdays and Fridays for his baseball show, and I'm excited that Kurt's going to be a regular guest of ours coming up as we go through the baseball season, nobody to talk baseball, nobody to talk better than Kurt Schilling. I'm very excited to be a teammate of Kurt Schilling. I've never met him, had him on the show numerous times. So there you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know when you go into a bar. Nowadays when you go into a bar, you got to be re ready, willing, and able to understand that everybody might be taping you. Uh, there's tapes out there of me that are egregious, people have said from 10 years ago, whatever. You know, you got to know. You got to know. Well, yesterday, our leader, the great Clay Travis, was at the Jeffrey Steele and Friends fundraiser. It's for the Alex Fund in Nashville, Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen. Did our fearless leader get on stage? Let's look. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, that video courtesy of my ex-wife, Jackie White. She was at the event and sent me, oh, Laura Dockets. There you go. My daughter apparently was there. I can't remember who sent what video. I got to look at the family and see who sent that. Uh, yeah, uh, it was my ex-wife, I guess. I don't know. My whole family can't wait to send me videos. Uh, those of you out there with videos, God bless you. Uh, but again, when you go to a bar, you go to a concert, and you got any kind of celebrity, you got to make sure. Hell, yesterday I was jumping around at the end of a basketball game, and I looked up at the stairwell, and there was my wife 
videotaping me marching around as it was coming to the end of a couple games and I had a parlay. So Clay Travis, swing it, baby. Shake it, baby. And you do you. And ladies and gentlemen, look it up. The Alex Fund is a pretty, pretty, pretty cool thing. Uh, it really is. It, it, it is, was established by the Lavoisier, I hope I say it right, family. I never usually do. And it, it, it was established by, it, it, they established the Alex Lavoisier Memorial Fund at Community Foundation in Middle Tennessee in 2007 after the tragic passing of Alex. What they're trying to do is help people uh, raise money for Alex's favorite things like bike riding. There's a memorial scholarship camp experiences, skate parks, multimedia centers. So good for Clay for participating. Look, do yourself a favor. You want to make yourself feel good? Seriously, you want to make yourself feel good? Uh, Participate in something like that. Participate in a fundraiser like that. It makes you feel really good. And isn't life about making yourself feel good? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a top five, and this all involves the NCAA tournament. The tournament is coming up. I'm going to give you nuggets. In fact, I'm going to get a hold of our guys and put out a video damn near every day during, uh, maybe starting today, I don't know, uh, of the NCAA tournament. So here's the deal. I got the top five teams, sleeper teams or groups, as I sit here right now watching a ton of basketball. It may change. But here is the top five. Number five, the Mid-American Conference champ. The Mid-American Conference is freaking loaded. Toledo is really good. Kent is really good. Akron is really good. Ball State can beat Big Ten teams. And Ohio can do the same. It is fantastic. And I would argue that Toledo, if they get in for the first time since 1980, would be a team that can win a game or two. They don't have a pro, an NBA guy, like Chris Kamen back in the day or Bonzi Wells back in the day, that kind of thing. No, what they have is older, really, really tough, tough players. Todd Kowalczyk has done a great job. Rob Rob Senderoff always pieces together at, at Kent a winning team. They won the MAC. Uh, and they are fantastic. I watched them the other night. They get up and down, highly charged game against Akron. They hung in there, hung in there, survived a couple bad calls. Akron, John Groves, former head coach at Illinois, has taken a MAC team, that's an Ohio University team back in the day, to the Sweet 16. It's a good league. So really, really, really good league this year. A MAC team will win a game in the NCAA tournament. Mountain West team. A horrible loss by my buddy Steve Alford, but I've watched a ton of Mountain West. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want any part of San Diego State. You want no part of it. And when I say no part of it, I'll tell you why. Because they defend like crazy, they play loose like I was talking with Doug, and ladies and gentlemen, they have an incredible winning culture. I love watching Mountain West basketball. It's not just because I root for Steve Alford, my former teammate and friend. No, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. I got hooked on Mountain West basketball this year just because it was on late, and I loved staying up. I did. I absolutely loved it. I didn't like it. I loved it. Utah State, the Aggies are on the bubble. If they get in, they could win a game. Boise State, same thing. Nevada, same thing. Those four teams are in the hunt to make the tournament, 
And I'm telling you, when I watch San Diego State, who went 15-3, and three, they're 24-6, and six, they would finish in the upper half of the Big Ten. I'm just telling you. I've watched enough of this to go, man, this league is good. This league is really, really good. And Utah State has won their last five to make it sexy. Don't forget Utah State. Do not forget. Don't forget San Diego State and possibly Nevada when it gets down to it. Number three, Memphis. Memphis has got guys. Memphis lost on a last-second shot to Houston. Last year, uh, I broadcast for Westwood One a Memphis-Houston game at Houston. Memphis went in and broke the country's longest winning streak on the road. Then I watched Memphis go back and forth in the NCAA tournament last year, man. Memphis in the NCAA tournament against Gonzaga was freaking epic. Epic last year. And I don't, I don't mean kind of. I think it was Gonzaga. I got, yeah, absolutely insane. I don't necessarily know whether Penn Hardy was a great coach, not coach, whatever. But I know this. He's got guys. And when you got guys and they have a defensive mentality, yet they play loose, that's a, that's a formula for success in the NCAA tournament. Do not sleep. Look, their league is nuts. Their league, Houston is great. Everybody else is kind of insane. Uh, everybody, and I was watching Tulane and somebody the other day, and it was absolute insanity. I text Seth Greenberg. I go, look, dude, if you ever want to go back into coaching, go in that league where a little bit of discipline might win you a game or two. It was insanity, that American conference. But they play loose. They get up and down. They get after it. And... Look, Memphis is used to winning, 23-8. and eight. Now, I don't think Cincinnati's great. I don't think Tulane's great. Those are the next two teams. Bottom of the league, historically bad. Tulsa, ridiculous. SMU, awful. But those dudes got guys. And those dudes with guys and a defensive mentality, which they have, they got a real shot. Doug talked about this, and you're going to see it tonight. Doug talked about St. Mary's. All right. I've never been a believer in St. Mary's. Never. In fact, a few years ago, when St. Mary's was supposed to be good, they faltered at the end. They ended up in an NIT game in Valparaiso, Indiana. I went up there and broadcasted for ESPN, and I was shocked at how small St. Mary's was. I was shocked at how slight. They looked like a glorified Indiana high school team as opposed to a team that is supposedly in the top 25. Just look right here at the shoulders on this kid. Now, you can say to me, Dan, what does that matter? Here's what matters. What matters is St. Mary's as a program understood. Hell, Randy Bennett, the coach, looked like last night that he lost a ton of weight, and he looks really good. I had a chance to visit with Randy a few times, and I think he's absolutely sensational. St. Mary's, we know they're good. But I love the fact that St. Mary's decided, hey, look, we're going to get physically bigger. We're going to get stronger. We're going to get to the point where we got guys playing at 220 pounds, not playing at, oh, I don't know, 120 pounds. This kid right here, Alex Duke, is 6'7", 220 pounds. It's a big difference. I'm not saying that they're crazy physical specimens. I'm just saying they don't look like a mid-major team. Logan Johnson is a kid you want to watch out for. Remember this name. If you're in a pool in the NCAA tournament, 
take a look at Logan Johnson. He transferred from Cincinnati. He's a defensive player of the year in the West Coast Conference. He made an unbelievable block last night. He averages just under 15, five rebounds, three and a half assists. He is damn good. He's good. Their team, damn good. It's not a mid-major. Again, those of you that have listened to me, you know I've never, ever, ever bought into St. Mary's. Uh, I want to get this coach, Coach DeFreeze, on the show hopefully in the next couple days. I forgot to tell you that, Dylan. But my number one team right now, now there may be others, but right now as we head to really the crux of Champ Week, these guys, the Drake Bulldogs. I am biased. My assistant, old assistant, Marty Richter, recruited this team. He's an assistant coach, was an assistant coach for Dunk City, the Florida Gulf Coast team. He deserves, I think, the Bowling Green job. But having said that, you want to be old? This team is ancient. I think they have four people, 24 years are older. But I said this yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, the leading scorer is a sophomore. The leading scorer is being talked about as a lottery pick. The leading scorer, ladies and gentlemen, is the coach's son. So you don't have to worry at all about is the best player on the team connected to the coach. Yeah, he's got to eat there. Tucker DeFreeze is terrific. They've got guys that are the all-time leading assist leader, all-time leading steals leader, all-time leading rebounder. They, They got the player of the year. I mean, they got everything you want, and everybody is 110 years old. Maybe the oldest team in college basketball. They had some injuries in the middle, came one game short of the uh, Missouri Valley regular season, got everybody healthy for the Missouri Valley tournament, and beat Bradley, the regular season champion, by as much as they wanted to beat Bradley. I'm telling you, as much as how much you want to win by. All right, let me look here. Uh, I think we should try to win. Oh, I don't know. Um, do you mind trying to win by 25? Let's do that. They did. They shoot 38% from the three-point line. They're big, they're strong, they got old man bodies. Now, I don't know, but I know that sells. They're 23 or 27 and 7. They should be have been in regardless of whether they won their tournament. I'm going to give this to you. They have won. Uh, three in a row after a loss at Bradley. Uh, they won two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 of the last 14. This is a team used to winning. If you want a team, here is your team. Drake, you want to start smart around the water cooler? Drake, you want to sound like you know what basketball? Drake. Last time I gave somebody, true story, last time I gave somebody such a ringing endorsement, it was when I did take Florida Gulf Coast over Georgetown in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We got to see matchups. We'll let you know. But that team right there is incredibly well coached, old guys, experienced guys, and playmakers. Remember I told you, the Drake Bulldogs, they ain't jagging around. They ain't messing around. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do we have a woke dope today? Is there somebody so dopey that we must woke them? I love woke dope. Spend my whole day looking for dopes that are woke. 
Yeah, man. So they said this guy, the guy in the hat, was a horrible human being, an instigator. He's currently in jail for being an insurrectionist. Isn't it amazing? Last night on Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was not jacking around, man. Tucker Carlson did this. Tucker Carlson released a bunch of videotapes. Now, I think the guy's an idiot for dressing up like that and going into the Capitol. And if they did real damage, then they should be in jail. But by all accounts, the footage shows that this guy was actually, ladies and gentlemen, escorted by the police, open doors for him, and next thing you know, he's in jail for inciting a riot. Now, I got to ask you, and again, I don't care whether you are Republican, whether you are Democrat, whether you are liberal, or whether you are conservative, all right? I, I don't care. But the video is very clear. Police are escorting this guy around. Now, I think that every idiot that walked into the Capitol uninvited should pay a consequence, but it doesn't seem like the reporting on this man was very factual. It does not seem that the reporting was very good at all on this. It just doesn't seem that. It seems like, oh, I don't know, there may be some lies here, which there always are lies. And thank goodness, look, I'm not going to lie. I don't stay up at night and watch Tucker Carlson. I don't. I know a lot of you do. But what he said was what the committee did not do was explain what happened inside the Capitol. And he showed them. Members lied about what they saw, hid the evidence from the public, as well as from the criminal defendants. Now, this is all out there. You can make a determination on what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. The legacy media has already come out and said, look, they're lying. They're lying. Everybody's lying. Josh Howley. They said Josh Howley was running away. That turned out to be a lie. You know, isn't it interesting that we have to do this? I mean, why was it, if we're going to have an investigation, let's just take it this way. If we're going to have an investigation and we're going to have Congress and people are going to go to jail, how about we just do it truthfully? Now, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know whether or not that's possible. But how about we just do it truthfully? Hey, look, if you want to throw everybody that walked the halls in jail, that's awesome. That's awesome. If that's what you want to do, fantastic. But at least do it honestly. At least do it where all of the evidence is shown, not just the evidence that our legacy media wants you to see. Doesn't that make sense? It does to me. Now, maybe it doesn't to you, but again, that's the ongoing battle. That's the battle between sanity, which would be, hey, look, people's lives are at stake here. If these folks violated the law and we're having a committee, let's put all the evidence out there and see what it is. Insanity. Oh, man, the insurrectionists, everybody should go to jail, man. No. I mean, that's insanity. Insanity is having a committee. Insanity is putting together all of the important people in our government and bringing in and having a, th a thing, an investigation, a committee on national TV, but not being truthful, not showing all the evidence, 
not saying, hey, here is what actually happened based on the videotape. That's evil. And that's not who we should be as a people. That goes against almost everything. And people wonder, people wonder, man, why don't we trust our lawmakers? Why don't we trust prosecutors? Why don't we trust our media? You're seeing it. Again, I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know if, because I really didn't pay attention on January 6th. I remember seeing people in like Pelosi's chair and thinking, you're an idiot. Hope you get arrested. That's what I did. That's what I thought. Doesn't mean I'm right, but that's what I thought. And I think it's what a lot of you thought. You know, and then all of a sudden, wait a second, you're telling me what now? Now you're trying to say what? You're trying to say that somebody walked in there? You're trying to say that what now? See, just be honest with us. Just be honest. We can absolutely handle it. I swear we can. And then, and I want to have the guy's name right, and then we got Biden, and there's videotape of the guy that everybody said was dead, in the insurrection, brutally beaten, and he wasn't brutally beaten. The whole thing turned out to be a fraud. Well, he was at, he died, but he wasn't dead when they said he died. They showed video of him somewhere else. Like, what in the hell are we doing? What are we thinking? It's insane to me. It is. It's literally insane to me that we just cannot tell the truth. We just cannot say this is what happened. The footage showed the guy, Officer Brian Sicknick, walking around the Capitol after they told us he was killed by prosecutors. Biden used Officer Brian Sicknick as political fodder in political theater. Why do we? That's insane. Totally insane. Thank God for our show. Thank God for OutKick. All right. Is it too late for a poll? (laughs) Hey, I thought we were going to play the video of Schilling earlier. I'm going to go. We're going to play a video of Schilling. We're going to play Clay Travis as we go out. But I do want to say again to all of you that support us on uh, YouTube, man, it's great. To all of you that support us on Twitter, Man, I got to tell you, this show has become for me the most fun part of my day. Wasn't always like that because a TV show is different than a radio show, but because of Aaron and Gary and Ryan and Dylan and Haley and uh, Caitlin and Chuck, uh, Chuck, yeah, Chuck, I was thinking, uh, yeah, I mean, it's freaking awesome. So I thank you all for supporting us. I thank you all for being here every day. Tell your friends, we're going to make a ton of money. A ton of money in this March Madness season. Have a wonderful afternoon. Dockage no longer here, thus he is out.